0: Let's open the Scriptures to the book of Psalms, Psalm 81, Psalm 81, page 624 in the Pew Bible. Then we'll also read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, where the Lord Jesus teaches us about prayer. and both are connected with prayer as taught in Scripture and summarized in Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Psalm 81, To the choir, Master, according to the gittith of Asaph. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song. Sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress, you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Here, O my people, will I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward Him, and their fate would last forever. But He would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you." We turn now to the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 11, page 1105 in the Pew Bible. And there we read this word of the Lord. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?" I invite you to turn with me in the Book of Praise to page 559, 559, where we find the Scripture's teaching on prayer summarized in Lord's Day 45. There we as church confess, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by Him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only, who has revealed Himself in His Word for all that He has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that Although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as He has promised in His Word. What has God commanded us to ask of Him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord Himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name So far, our confession in Lord's Day 45. In response to the preaching of the gospel, we will sing together Psalm 63 about yearning for the presence of the Lord and the love of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, we pick up this afternoon the Bible's teaching on the topic of prayer. We all need prayer, right? We know that the Lord commands it of us, and we often feel the need for it too. How often don't we pray for a a sick family member, church member? or for a straying or struggling brother or sister. We pray for our daily food. We pray for the forgiveness of our sins, for favorable weather. We pray for many, many things. Parents pray for their children, and children pray for their dads and mums And grandparents, well, they pray for everybody. So whether we are young or whether we are old, we can recognize the great importance of prayer. And yet, I think we'll admit that prayer is a challenge for us, isn't it? We can be very inconsistent in our prayer, sometimes hot, sometimes cold, many times in between. Our prayers can easily get squeezed out by many distractions, obligations. We rush off to work or school in the morning, and while we, we might never miss checking our favorite apps on our phones while we're eating our Captain Crunch, the best we can often do is to toss off a brief prayer for the Lord to bless this food. And in moments of honest reflection, we feel badly about that, that we short shrift prayer. Sometimes our prayer life gets worse and it falls off the radar altogether, and we go long stretches without praying. You ever have that? Weeks? Months, maybe? At other times, we pray, but we doubt. Is God listening? Does God care? Will He answer? And what about when the answer comes and it's not what we had hoped for? And isn't it true that we feel many times that our prayers get into a rut? Like we're saying the same words. Sometimes that goes to the point where while we're speaking these words, even on one half of our brain, even if it's just a prayer in our own heart, The other half of our brain starts to daydream. So prayer is a challenge. When the chips are down, when the problem is too big for us, we all get busy praying. There's a certain desperation that drives us to it, but is prayer nothing more than a 911 call to the Lord? Well, we hope to get back to the basics this afternoon, to set our feet on solid ground when it comes to this important topic of prayer. The Bible teaches us that prayer is about much more than us occasionally reaching out to God for help. It's about God drawing us back into a deep relationship with Himself. And so I bring you this word of the Lord. God gives us prayer to rebuild the relationship we broke. We'll see three things, a yearning heart, a needy heart, and a sure heart. Well, before we can talk about the practical problems of what prayer, uh, about prayer, we have to have a good idea of what prayer actually is. I mean, what is prayer all about? What's going on when we pray? The Catechism asks an important question when it says, why is prayer necessary for Christians? And we hope to see that in just a little bit. But let's first go behind that issue and ask something more fundamental. What is this thing called prayer? Where does it come from? What is it trying to accomplish? Well, prayer is simply us speaking to God. In that sense, it's pretty simple, it's pretty straightforward, but that's also the very reason why it doesn't come naturally to us. That's the reason why we struggle with it so often, because by nature, we don't want to talk to God. There's been a a breakdown in communication between us and God, and that happened in the Garden of Eden. If you think back to that time of creation, how things were when the Lord first created Adam and Eve in a world without sin, during that time there was open communication. There was harmonious and free communication and a relationship between God and His creatures, Adam and Eve. The Bible says that the Lord would come in the garden, walking in the cool of the day, and the inference is that He would converse with the creatures that He had made in His own image. This was His regular habit. Adam and Eve recognized the sound of His coming. They would have looked forward to His daily arrival and to the time of talking together and fellowshipping together. That was how things were when God created the world and put man in the garden. But on the day when mankind rebelled, all of that changed. On the day that we broke God's command not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they did not run to meet God at the sound of His coming. They ran away from God. Not only did we in our first parents not want to talk to the Lord, but they didn't want the Lord to talk to them. We broke the relationship. We smashed the covenant God had established. We rejected friendship with God and decided to become friends with the devil. Do you see, brothers and sisters, that life in the Garden of Eden in paradise was like a constant prayer. It would have been natural, daily conversations with God. But the moment we sinned, we lost that. We lost contact. Not only that, but sensing God's anger, we feared talking to the Lord. We resisted coming out from behind the tree. We developed an instinct to run away from God and hide from God. That's why it's such a difficult thing still today to pray because our sinful heart resists it. It would much rather cower in the bushes than go and have a heart-to-heart with our Maker. It was the Lord who had to call out to us. And despite our resistance, it was the Lord who opened the line of communication on that day. And that, brothers and sisters, is why He gave us the gift of prayer. In fact, He commands it of us precisely because it does not come naturally, precisely because there's an inbuilt resistance in us. The Catechism mentions that God requires Prayer of us we sang an example in Psalm 62 O people trust in God alone to him make all your trouble known Psalm 62 said God says pour out your heart to me the Lord Jesus said the same pray to your father in heaven the Apostle Paul pray without ceasing these are commands of the Almighty because these things don't come easily to us And yet behind the command, we have to understand, is the precious gift of access to God. (coughs) God had a choice. He, He didn't have to call us back into fellowship. He didn't have to call out to us to have another renewed conversation. And if God didn't want to, He certainly wouldn't have to listen to us, would He? In the garden, He had every right to deny us a hearing, to leave us on our own, to put us outside of the garden. It was we who cut off ties with the Lord. But in His mercy and grace, He reestablished ties on that day. He promised a Savior. He promised a mediator who would fix what we broke so that the peace of Eden could return in full measure, so that God, holy God, could commune with us again, and we could commune with Him. God called out to Adam, so that Adam could ever after call out to God. So, beloved, the first thing we have to know about prayer is not that we must pray, But it's this, that we get to pray, that we are allowed to talk to the Lord. We're not just obligated to, of course we are, but much more importantly, we are, co- we are permitted into His presence. In other words, God wants to hear from us. This almighty, perfect Creator whom we offended, He wants to hear from us. In fact, God's heart yearns for us, desires us, wants us to reach out and speak to Him. Do you ever think about that, brothers and sisters, from God's perspective that He wants you? Wants you? The Lord is not some cold-hearted, distant deity hidden behind the clouds, out of touch. No, he's, He's close at hand. His heart is warm and affectionate toward us. You can hear that coming out in Psalm 81, how the Lord aches for His people to follow Him, to be in harmony with Him, He says in verse 8, Hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. He speaks like a father to a child, to a child who's, who's gone astray. He speaks with all the tender compassion and and much more than an earthly father could. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. I love you. Come back to me. That's the yearning heart of our covenant God. Just like a, a father, an earthly father, is happy to supply his young child with food to satisfy his hunger, so the Lord our God, our Father, is happy to supply us with all the nourishment we need body and soul, to satisfy our eternal hunger. Keep that in mind, brothers and sisters. When, when you are in need and you are on your knees in prayer, when you are up to your eyeballs in trouble, remember God loves you. The Lord wants a relationship with you. He wants to give you the help you need. He has given you His heart already. You can see that in how He sent Jesus, His only begotten Son. He was sent to die for you and me, to take away our guilt. And why did He send His Son to do that? So that He could have this relationship with us. He wants our heart. He wants your love, just as He gave you His love. So speak to Him, beloved, from your heart. Just as the catechism says, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed Himself in His Word. Let's let's yearn for the God who yearns for us. Can we do that? Yes, we can. And we'll yearn all the more as we see how great a need we have for God's help. For so long as we live in this fallen world, in the dispersion, as we spoke about this morning, the spiritual dispersion, Prayer is not merely a pleasant, heart-to-heart talk with the Lord, but it's also a calling upon Him for all the help we need to stay focused on Him. And again, just think back to creation or think ahead to the new heaven and the new earth. In In a world without any sin, we want to speak with God. At creation, our heart was fully inclined to Him, and it was no trouble to orient all our thinking, our speaking, and our acting toward His glory. That came naturally. And when we get to the new heaven and the new earth, it will be the same. Then we'll have a heart that's true. We won't want no other love, no other God, for all we'll be thinking of is our Lord and Savior. We'll have a heart that's true. Prayer won't then be some task or chore. It won't have a resistance in our heart, but talking to God will be the most natural thing in the world and and the greatest delight of our life. But all of that bliss in the distant past and in the future serves to highlight what we don't have right now. It serves to highlight the weakness and the struggles of this present life. For our sinful hearts are simply not aligned with God. The Holy Spirit is certainly busy in us creating a new nature, and the desire is growing in us to sink ourselves with God's will, but sin, the old nature, remains a powerful force inside. There's that ongoing battle. We meet resistance in sinking our will to God's. I think we all know how difficult sinking is, even in other contexts. I mean, half the time I can't sink my Dropbox. And on that level. I'm fighting my intellectual inadequacies. But when I try to sink my will with God's will, I'm fighting my spiritual inadequacies. I'm fighting the sinfulness of my heart. And that enemy is a wicked, powerful enemy, isn't it? I might be able to overcome my intellectual abilities and actually sink my Dropbox, but I can't sink my heart with the Lord's. Lord's Day 45 picks up on this struggle in two different places. Question 116 asks, why is prayer necessary for Christians? And then answers in the second part, moreover, God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. If we have to ask for grace, that means we need forgiveness. It means we are sinners. And if we have to ask for the Holy Spirit, and that's a reference to the ongoing or the increased working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that means we're a long way from being holy ourselves, a long way from being fully sanctified. Implicit in our request it is this great need in, of our hearts that sin is there all the time? Answer 117 repeats this in more plain language when it says that in our prayers we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. We have need, we have misery. Now, we've heard those terms before in the Catechism. Lord's Day 1 speaks of knowing our misery. The first thing we need to know to live and die in the joy of Christ's comfort is how great my sins and misery are. This is an ongoing thing. As Christians, even though we have faith, even though the Holy Spirit lives in us, Yet sin remains inside of us. Sin bubbles up out of us. And misery is the result of our sin. It's also the result of the sins of others working around us. And it's the result of sin in general in this world. We experience misery in daily disappointing our God and offending Him by our shortcomings. We experience misery in sour relationships among fellow believers, or even other people. We experience misery and failing health. It's miserable to have your, your body and your mind deteriorate. It's miserable to see the devil having success with so many people in this world, including at times us. We know how easy we fall for temptation, don't we? If we're honest, we know that the sinful thoughts that sinful thoughts are, are only a microsecond away from us at any given moment, and hurtful words and hurtful actions are often easy to follow. Our yearning hearts are also at the same time needy hearts. And when we understand that, we'll also know how much better what to pray for. Maybe you've wondered that. What what should fill my prayers? What, What things can I ask of God? What is right to ask of God? What is not appropriate to bring up in prayer? A lot of Christians wrestle with that in itself. And then it's hard to shake the feeling that our prayers are inadequate or they don't touch upon things that they really should But how about this, brothers and sisters? What if the filter for the requests we make, what if that filter becomes our need and misery? What if the driving motive behind our requests is to have the yearning of our hearts filled? The yearning being that we grow closer and closer to the Lord. This is where the catechism is going in question 118 and 119. What has God commanded us to ask of Him? We confess all the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord Himself taught us. All the things we need for body and soul. What is that need? What do we need body and soul? Is it, is it the need to keep the heart pumping, the lungs full of air, to stay physically alive? Well, it's much more than that. It's the need and misery that 117 mentioned and is spoken of all through the Bible, the need and misery brought upon us by our rebellion in the Garden of Eden and the need and misery which god is working to resolve through the restoring work of jesus christ in other words the need here is not just the need to stay alive and feed ourselves and our families the need is is not even just to be busy in the kingdom of god of course those things are included But the great need of every human being is to get back into full fellowship with our Creator. That's the great need. The misery of this life is the result of us breaking off that relationship. It's the result of of our sin and God's judgment over it. So the thing we have most need of is to be reunited with our Creator, to be at peace with our God, to walk with Him and talk with Him, in loving, covenantal friendship. This is the Lord's desire and the cry of His heart. Psalm 81, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. That's what the Lord wants from us. He wants us to walk side by side with Him. And now anything that gets in the way of that walk, That's the need that has to be addressed and resolved. Those are the things that that ought to make up our prayer requests. So we ask things of God that address that need, all that we lack in our own ability to walk in the ways of the Lord. All that prevents you and me from living lives that are in sync with the will of our God. All that we need in order to live in that beautiful friendship of God's covenant. You take that into your prayers. You think about your life. You think about your needs, and you filter them through that lens. Lord, I'm asking for this particular thing for this reason, so that the sin and misery of my heart can be overcome. Give me grace to overcome my short fuse so that I walk with my neighbor in love and not in anger, because that's walking in the Lord's way. Grant that my family can receive this from you so that my family can walk in your ways uninhibited. Grant that the congregation can receive X from you so that the congregation can live in sync with you. Lord, soften my hard heart and bend my will to match your will. Father, watch over my kids. Protect them so that they can live today in fellowship with you and my kids that have grown up and the kids that are straying. Father, bring back those straying sheep so that they can walk with you again and experience that friendship with you again to the glory of your name again. Lord, lift your people out of persecution in North Korea, in China, and so many other places so that they can enjoy your grace to the glory of your name Lord, cause your church on earth to be faithful and obedient so that your covenant friendship can be experienced and the fame of your salvation can spread far and wide, all for the glory of your wonderful name. When that's the filter for our prayer requests, when that is what drives our needy hearts to pray, then we can also offer our prayers with a sureness in our hearts. Having a sure or certain heart, that's a lovely thing, but that's not always easy to have, is it? It's one thing to know our need and misery. It's quite another to feel certain, confident, convinced that God is listening, that God cares, it's hard to feel that way when I know that I haven't been living a very good Christian life lately, when I know that I've been lax and sloppy in my devotions, negligent maybe, then my confidence levels go down, way down. In fact, if I haven't prayed for a while, it's hard to start praying because I feel a great sense of guilt for all the prayers I didn't make. You ever have that? You kind of feel paralyzed because you haven't been praying for a while, so you, you hardly think you, you deserve a hearing with the Lord. The Lord's not going to want to hear from you, from me, because I haven't been praying for a while. And then you don't pray because that guilt it becomes like a paralyzing thing. And all of a sudden, we're so far from God, we don't know if we'll ever find our way back. Well, brothers and sisters, the amazing and the wonderful thing about our covenant God, about the things that He promises us, about that yearning heart of His, is that there's always a way back to Him. He Himself paves the road back paves the road back from all our mistakes and messes and sins and failings. He paves it in the blood of Jesus. That's the asphalt that takes us back to Him. We could mess up a hundred times. We could mess up a thousand times. But God will still take us back in Jesus because that Jesus came and paid for all our messes with His death on the cross. This is the promise of God in His covenant. We hear it every time a child is baptized. If we sometimes through weakness fall into sins, we must not despair. Oh no, don't despair. Don't despair of God's mercy, but also don't continue in sin. For baptism is a seal and trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. An everlasting relationship with God. That means that God is always standing there, brothers and sisters, with His arms open to receive us back into fellowship because of Christ. All we need to do is run to Him in repentance and trust. That's all we need to do. And it's for that very same reason, because of Christ and His work, that all our prayers made in faith will be heard. Answer 117 puts it this way, we must rest on this firm foundation, that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of christ our lord as he has promised us in his word in the same way that the covenant the relationship between god and us has itself been repaired because jesus died so too the conversation the prayer between covenant partners has been repaired. It's been reestablished because of Jesus' death. God listens to us. He hears us. He's all ears for us because our great high priest, as we saw last week, has removed our guilt and laid down his own life as the bridge over that gap. God never turns a deaf ear to our cries, because He once turned a deaf ear to the cries of His Son on the cross. And that covers everything. It is even so that we, creations of God, may call God our Father. And we'll see more about that next time, God willing. But... When Jesus answers His disciples' request to teach them to pray in Luke 11, He says, okay, pray this way. Father, hallowed be your name. Father. They weren't expecting that. Father, I want you to call your God. I want you to think about your heavenly God, your covenant God, think of him understand him to be your father jesus is saying this i give you the right he says i give you that privilege and honor i earn for you that right by all of my righteous obedience by all of my suffering so for my sake you should always talk to your god as your father in heaven and then you should know that for my sake he, your God, will always hear you as a child of His. It doesn't depend on us, it depends on Jesus. And His work is completed and it's perfect and it cannot be ever undone. We've got lots of prayers in our lives, prayers for our children in their growing up years, prayers for the young men and young women in our families and in the congregation in their prime of life, prayers for loved ones gone astray, prayers for husband and wife in the strong years of their marriage, and prayers for them in the sunset years. Well, beloved, pray all these prayers to your Father. In the name of the Son, with a heart that yearns for full fellowship with your Heavenly Father, those prayers, everyone, will surely be heard and answered for Jesus' sake. Amen.